All right, it is time for the John Riggin Show. We got Riggo, we got Coco, we got TC, and Farmer, Farmer Riggo's in the house. <laughs> I even got, I couldn't find a straw, so I'm going to have to use a toothpick, right? You look like Mr. Green Jeans on Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> You just get off the South 40 plant? I did. Uh, Is it harvest time or what you got? No, actually, uh, I've got a little, uh, I had a little fence to put up. Got an electric fence going in. I got a deer problem. Now, I could put, I think that, I've never really researched this completely, but I could get some kind of pepper spray. Or I should say some kind of pepper sauce. You spray Um. the bushes with this stuff and the deer go, ew, not good. But me... I believe in frontier justice. What about they have? Yeah. They have caused like... me pain, and I'm going to I'm going to share the pain with the deer. I thought you meant like you were going to have like a stakeout, and then if you see a deer, you're just going to pepper spray them. <laughs> well, no, that stakeout is for Rocky the Raccoon. That's in October. Oh, that's a whole other ball game. And, and we up the ante from pepper spray on that one, dude. Now, oh, okay. wouldn't it be I guess more... you involve like dynamite. We use hot like lead that. for Rocky yeah, yeah, the Raccoon. Well, actually, for there's uh, you know the deer, they're they're pretty docile, and and especially you know in in they your high around, around the CNO Canal, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I remember the move being the old. Here, Mr. Deer, the old apple in the ice pick trick. Oh. oh. Who pulls that one off? <laughs> That's an old school frontier. Oh, I guess you no. know you probably could pull that off. I'm thinking. That's a little bit. <laughs> And that's a little, a little bit. That's a little too. Uh, what do I want to say? A little too, like, too intense. Um, matador and get the knife <laughs> with the sword. <laughs> well, might, hopefully it's only a one plunge. You might as well use a ball peen hammer instead of an ice pick. <laughs> Just go ahead and uh, keep it going for a while. No, so uh, yeah, I was out putting up a little fence, and I thought, well, what the heck? We got a phone call later on today with an uh, with a company that produces agricultural products, and I thought if it's on Zoom, your, ne- your neck, your neck of your. I, I your... want to be authentic. I want them to know. I mean, I did. I did. I didn't grow up on the farm technically. My mom did. She grew up on a little farm, 80 acres in uh, in, in Minnesota, about 60 miles north of the Twin Cities, a little town called Pine City. But I've had a I've had a farm for well over well getting for 45 years. Yeah, actually, it's getting wow. close to 50. Uh, it's a place I used to hunt <clears throat> when I was younger, and I've uh, I've used to have cattle out there when I lived in Kansas, mm-hmm. and I would go out there once a week. I was living down in Lawrence, and I'd drive 100 miles. About once or twice a week to go up and feed the cattle, particularly during the winter. Uh, you know, he had to feed them hay and all that stuff. And then and I had a tractor and a plow and a disc, a harrow. In other words, I'd get the seed bed ready and do all that stuff. I didn't invest in, you know, a lot of the machinery of a planter and all that. What's a seed bed? You know, preparing a seed, preparing the ground for to take the seed. Okay. You know, that's what they call a seed bed. We did have, I had alfalfa. I had about 30 acres of alfalfa, which we used to put up. My brother would help me. I'd get some people from time, had a barn, put it in the barn, the whole deal. So I've got, you know, when I look back on it, I'm thinking that, you know, of all the things I've done in my life, I'm probably more equipped to be a farmer. You know, farmer football player, that's basically what I am. It's kind of like Joe Klecko. He was a truck driver football player. I'm a blue-collar guy, Todd. Dirty Harry. Man's got to know his limitations. You need dirty hands. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and actually, if we get a close-up here, I don't Although, think I, I got the dirt under my fingernails. does not like it that much. There's, and you know what? There's Green Acres. She's Zaza Gabor, and, he, you know, and so. And he, Ooh, and he, he had to well, switch his uh, chair at the dining table because his clothes are getting the chair dirty. My mom's not having it. Oh. 
So she switched Ooh. his chair. And yeah. now he's like a foot shorter than me at the table. So, so Coco, yeah. I, a question for you. She got me a you. stool. I said, I look like I'm getting ready to milk cattle. <laughs> you got your own time out now? It's like, you dirty clothes. You said, you over here. Yeah. Well, actually, the latest thing is we bought new chairs last year, leather chairs. Uh, you know, you should see them, those white yeah, chairs. Yeah, very beautiful. Well, only my lovely wife could come up and go, come here. Look at the back where you sit here. Look at this. It's all scratched up. You can't sit in this chair. You have to get a cover. I got a cover on the bottom John, of it. John, you can't sit here anymore. And then where my feet go. You sitting on the floor Indian style? (laughs) Almost. I might as well be in Japan. Take my shoes off and go and sit on the floor. And get me a little table, you know, a little baby table. Kind of like you had when uh, you were doing Wriggle on the Range. You know, like your third grade table. my little wee office. Yeah, so anyway. uh, Can I I ask Coco a question here? Because when you went out with your dad and you did the road trip Mm -hmm. to Centralia and to the farm... And to, what were your impressions imagining you've been in New York and you're here in the nation's capital? Could could you imagine growing up out there like he did? Yeah, there was something. Um, I said this when we were, like, driving on the roads. I was like, there's something really peaceful about it out there. And, like, honestly, I don't know. I'm, like, I have so many different aesthetics that I like. But um, I like, you know, fashion and, like, all that. But also, I think, like, so you're in the farmer there? fashion? What are we talking I like, about I like out here? I mean, I, I get the peaceful. Like gingham. gingham, that's a big thing. In right? Farm. And yes, I get, I get I the peaceful gingham. thing because there is no alternative, correct? I mean, if you want to go <laughs> raise the roof, how far yeah. you got to go? No, I genuinely, like, really liked it out there. I liked the, f- there was something, yeah, like, just really peaceful and so, like, uh, I felt free because there's just so, I don't know, it just felt so nice. And I love cattle. That's definitely I, your like, daughter. I oh. genuinely found something, like, surprising by myself. I think, like, my second favorite animal besides cats are, like, and horses, mm. uh, cattle. I Not really... cattle per se, calves. Oh, I like cows, too. Well, you didn't ever get up close to a cow, did you? But I admired them from a distance. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah. But you know what was interesting? We happened to, we were driving by one of the farmers there off uh, off uh, number nine highway there in Kansas that goes past. Actually, it turns into John Riggins Avenue. Uh, mm-hmm. But we were out there a little bit west of town, and I saw that this guy had a bunch of Holstein calves in these little. Uh, he, he was weaning them. I hope they weren't. He wasn't turning them into veal, but I don't know for sure. I think he was weaning them from his mother. So we went over there, and I told Coco, put your hand in there. And those little calves, you know, they, they think that it's their mom, and they will just, they will pull the skin off. Oh, yeah, thing. I just fell in love. I was like, oh. Yeah, they are. They're so cute. This is i got to admit, she's got a good point. Little calves are like it. I'll tell you what, though. When it comes to farmyard and barnyard animals, I personally don't think there's anything cuter than a baby pig. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, within yeah. weeks, within weeks, <laughs> they are repulsive and disgusting. But when they are first, like, you know, There's a week a old or less. In the little oh, tail. They're all pink <laughs> and just squeaky clean. And, and, and they make these little, <laughs> you know, these little noises. So how long do you get to keep them like that? Three months? Like I said, yeah. it ain't very long. Well, in 90 days, it's, yep, get them out, move them out. We're getting them yeah. out of here. And I also always said, like, I just, it sounds like his childhood it sounds so fun and you know from when i was there and he like took me through the tour of everything and like through the little town square where um you know the druggist store yeah. and um schnaves schnaves all that you know it's just he's had so many like memories from that place and like all the stories and just walking through that it just sounds sounds so fun and, and you I met would... some of his friends you met squeak no did I not, not meet squeak I, think... I thought i thought he was out 
Out of prison? Uh, no, I don't, no one really knows the whereabouts of the infamous squeak. He could still be on the lamp for all we know. No, unfortunately, there wasn't. Any, well, Big D, we did. We ran into him. Oh, he, yeah. he didn't grow up in Centauri. Oh, he, he grew up in Topeka. D but he is has a, a phone. trip. Yeah, that's, that's a good friend of mine. His, his older brother and my older brother were baseball players together years uh, okay. ago out there. Yep. So And Dwayne and I were a couple of flunkies. So, you know, they played baseball while me and Big D, you know, we went around and got into trouble the best we could. And, mm. and you're going to meet Spinard. Spinard Slim. Spinard Slim. When you I'm get to Alaska, we enjoyed having him on the show last week with some amazing stories of the great outdoors and bears and... We're going to have him back on after Great. you guys take your trip up there, which, John, I found this story interesting. I pass along to you all because, yeah. you know, it's going to be a fun, safe trip to Alaska. But can you imagine that this uh, this happened out in Oregon and it had a happy ending? Because usually when it's a person that's this age, it's 69 years of age and they were gone for 17 nights. This guy was uh, was out in the wilderness, had been going out there on a fishing trip, and uh, had been missing for 17 nights. 17 nights. They couldn't find him, no Wait, communications. Wait, where is this? Is this? This is out in Oregon. Oh. Uh, out in the great northwest. And it did have a happy ending, and they found, uh, they found his, like, his fishing gear. They found him in a massage parlor? <laughs> That was that was a that, that was a very happy ending, and he only complained of minor pains, but was in stable condition. They had to uh, airlift him out of the area, and it was amazing the resources that were committed yeah. to finding this gentleman. But could you imagine? So yeah. say like you know you saw how vast driving out there in mm -hmm. the flatlands of this country, and if <laughs> you can be in the middle of nowhere, what would you do? Well, big difference here between being in the middle of nowhere and being in a, a wilderness area. Right. I.e., you can you can safely say that when you go out and get out to my farm, you are in the middle of nowhere. But at the same time, you're in Kansas, you know that much, and you know that everything's laid out on a grid. The roads, once you figure out which way the, where the sun is, mm -hmm. you know which way east, Did west, you know that? Because I don't know that. I, don't like, I do know the sun rises east. <laughs> yeah, see? Okay I, okay, I got you on that. Don't ask me about inner loop or sure outer loop that? of the beltway, though. Yeah. Let's don't go down that path. But, so, but, but the fact that it's laid out in the grid. So yeah, you're saying, so, so it's like, you know, you're going to go some. I mean, you're not, you're in the middle of nowhere, but you're, but you're not lost. That's my point. This guy was lost. My first thought, though, there was hardly any information on, you know, anything that they had interviewed him and what he went through. And all. the first thing I thought was myself, this bastard went to Las Vegas for two weeks <laughs> and, and faked all this bullshit because his wife You're wouldn't let him he go. He lost huh? his 401k. He had uh, exactly. Bad night at the craps table. And he was he was despondent when they and then he got back there and he was like, oh god, I man, can't. I got to do something yeah. extreme. <laughs> I mean, seriously, until I get some more facts, that to me is possible a possible scenario. But okay, let's take the serious side. Let's assume that what they wrote was true. Okay? Right, right. Well, all I know is the first thing, and I've no because I've never been in the. I was once upon a time. I did. I went elk hunting in Durango, outside of Durango, Colorado, and I think I was in the Uncompadre Mountains or. There's another. There's some other mountains there, but I, you know, where you hike in, and I was, you know, went in for the day, and I was by myself, and I, and I look back on it now. I'm going, I could have very easily turned into that guy.
and gotten turned around and gotten lost. Because when I came out, I was a whole nother ridge over from where I thought I was. So when you if, so you have is that the closest and this is during you've been, the winter time if, 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 where you've been spatially disoriented in mm-hmm. in knowing which direction is which and where you were versus where you think you are. I was in an area that was completely unknown to me. Mm-hmm. You know, went out there, had a friend of mine. Actually, it was Louis Lama, who was one of the owners of the, Louis, of the boot company. Lama Boot Company. He'd put together a hunting trip out there. And uh, so, we, you know, we, we ended up, we had a camp set up and everything, but it snowed so much before we actually got there, the camp was just crushed by the snow. So we stayed at the Holiday Inn. We'd get up early in the morning, drive up, and then go into the timber there and, you know, into the forest and hunt. And the San Juan, we could have been the San Juan Mountains as well. I don't remember. It's one of the two because they're both very close together right there. But as I look back on it, I mean, I what I... What I did was downright foolish, but you know, you think you're, you know, I was like, I was just out of football. My dad thought he was like the main character and just like traveled out. He was Lewis and Clark. (laughs) I was Lewis Clark. (laughs) (laughs) That's like his first name was Lewis, last name Clark. Uh, But I went out there and I I think back, but but, but I did have a little bit going for me. One is I I knew enough to to pack some essential stuff with me when I went in. I didn't have a sleeping bag or anything, but I had matches, flashlight, all this stuff. Compass. You know that, and I, I look back on it. I must have had a compass, but you know, it, it, and I got to be honest. I'm going, I didn't have any topo maps, and had I had topo maps, it's like, okay, you got a compass, you got topo maps, but you didn't actually go and take the orientation course that they offered in Boy Scouts, so they're pretty much worthless. You didn't get the badge. Use the match. <laughs> use, use the maps to get a fire started. You take the matches, burn the map. <laughs> but so, but anyway, like I said, the first thing I know that that anybody that gets lost is stay where you are. Don't go yeah. looking around. You know, you don't, you knew that part, huh, dude? Yeah, I think, yeah, that was like something I was going to mention too. Like, if you, yeah, if you're lost, you stay put. And then I was going to say, well, I mean, if you want to be adventurous, you can pull a little Hansel and Gretel and mark your Your tracks. With bread, it's okay, but. This dude was out there for 17 nights. So at what point, so let's say he was patient for the first 16. Okay, I'm not moving. Well, this is not getting better. You've got to give this guy a great amount of credit, though, because the bottom line in any kind of situation like this is making sure this stays glued onto your shoulders. Because what happens, mm-hmm. nine, I think in every case where somebody gets lost, panic sets in. You know, the first yes. thing that happens is you start to lose your confidence, and then, and then all of a sudden when that starts to slide away, then you start to panic. And as soon as panic sets in, you're done. Mm-hmm. It, it's over with. It's it, all and a they mirage. Find, huh? It's all a mirage. It and isn't be. it true that panic for, think about a situation where if you didn't check yourself, you, I had a situation with undertow in the, in the Caribbean in which a buddy who uh, was a little overweight and was struggling and went out too far and I see the current taking him out and he starts panicking and he's going under and I kind of made my way and knew to swim a certain way or whatever and then I got over there got him back but it was one of these situations almost where you see in the movies you're like get a hold of yourself and you got to slap the guy yeah. <laughs> stay with true. me now I had him around the neck and I'm like shut Brother. up we got to get you in there because it's a big boy and I'll never forget getting him to the getting him to the beach, and oh, it was not gosh. a good situation at all for you. It, you know, it's pretty oh. amazing because I, I'm, you know, you're like, well, maybe not. I'm a land lover. I grew up in Kansas, tight uh, undertoes and all that stuff, rip tides. You don't want nothing to do with it. 
The one thing I've learned, though, from having a place in Montauk all these years, they tell you to swim parallel to the beach until yes. you swim out of the uh, out of the rip tide. Eventually, yeah. But that that's a completely different kind of panic, you know, because it's immediate and you feel death is near. You know, you're going out and all of a sudden it's trying to get back. You exhaust yeah. yourself and that's how you drown. Mm -hmm. But this is the type of thing that is a slow buildup. And then mm -hmm. finally, because I think a lot of times they find people you know barely clothed sometimes naked for whatever reason the mind people start peeling off clothes and they go nuts and john mm -hmm. what is it they say that how long you can go out with food versus how long you can go without water water's the key yeah so water. 17 water nights water's and not knowing his particular water. situation and again 69 not sure his mental faculties but we'll get more facts on this but I forget, there was 10 or 12 different agencies that got involved to find this gentleman. It was extraordinary what I saw, how many folks uh, yeah, were, were involved. Yeah, I thought the same thing. But, um, you know, obviously he went fishing, so he was near water. That wasn't a problem. He knew enough to stay, I'm guessing, maybe stay, maybe he didn't stay in the same didn't, place. He didn't stay because they found his little fishing compound. Oh, they did. Yeah, and so and he was found about 20 miles away. Uh, wow. From from I think so he did some hiking. Well, he would have <laughs> in good shape. The yeah. real thing in that is, I think that the people is clearly it's all in your mind. It's your mental outlook. You know, if the person the person that goes into that and panics and you know, in other words, starts getting shaken up by the fact they don't know where they are. And, oh my God! You know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Mm. They probably <laughs> aren't going to survive. The person that has the ability to look at this like, oh. It's like a little camping trip here. It's something to look forward to. This is going to be fun. That's a person that will come out on the other side. Mm. Well, I, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. But the more I think about it, I'm just like going, everything you say, I get it. That's true. Yeah. First but easier to say than... Then, hey, wait a second. It's been a week? Okay, it's two weeks. This is not getting better. He must... But it, it, uh, well, you know, the first couple, three days, he made obviously a lot of mistakes. He didn't stay where he said he was going to be. Otherwise, they or, and he, either that or he didn't tell people where he's going to be. Mm -hmm. That's what makes me think he went Vegas. to Vegas. <laughs> this guy went to Vegas. Keep an eye on this story, Todd. All right. Well, speaking job. of Vegas and the king of pop, we got a great story that we're going to get into. Okay, so I've, I've saved this because Coco, school keeps getting in the way of her appearances here on TJRS. But it is your last week of school, your matriculation, yes. right? Two days. Just so I got a feeling. Dude's a rising junior. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, I'm a, yeah sophomore well, and a, rising as junior. As soon as school's out, she'll be a rising After Friday, I'll be a rising junior. 48 I got, hours. I got it. That's a little frightening. A little frightening. Knowing her since you were a wee yeah, lad. Yeah, I'll wee. be driving. So I got a feeling she might be just, you know, doing this dance. So I saved this. I had it ready to go like two weeks ago because mm -hmm. it was 38 years ago on national TV that this happened.
but do you know who also moonwalk around 38s, 37 oh years ago? Oh my gosh, it just clicked. I think I know what you're about to play. Uh huh. Is there a treadmill involved in this? There oh we go. Now, how did you move? Because you told me how they did it with you. you, you there was a wheel. They, was they, it like on a it treadmill? Was, it, yeah. No, it was like it was. I can't remember, but it was almost <laughs> like a skateboard. You, you always told me no, that. No, it could have been a skateboard though, because I couldn't have done it. It was something. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you told me that it was like a treadmill, and it was. Like, Is that what it was? Yeah, the yeah. yeah. treadmill was going backwards, and you just had to. Be I yeah, just had just to had lift to up like... my toes back and forth <laughs> like that. He just... was actually moonwalking in hay. Not everybody can do that in cowboy boots. Not even right. Michael Jackson can do that. <laughs> Who's the pig poop and all that Who's stuff. Uh, uh, uh. He would never got <laughs> his shoes dirty. <laughs> so, do you remember what year that that commercial was? 1983, I want to say. 1983 or eight? No, 84. It's probably 80. No, I think it was 83 actually. Because it was the year after the uh, big win out in my uh, out in uh, that Pasadena. That was one of the uh, the spoils. Eighty three or eighty four. Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Doing the national TV commercials with the. All right. Yeah, they had. Yeah, I love that video. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Coco was, Daddy, did you do this? Did you do this? And going, well, um, now, no, I don't know. I'm a tough for a truck, and the netting fans to carry bricks. Hey, I can haul. I can use it for hauling hogs. So he was an original rapper, too. Yes. The rap game was just hey, getting started. Hey, and you always accuse rap. Hold on. We <laughs> right. got some real things to dig in. And he always said. That was pretty harmless rap there. I didn't kill any cops. I didn't call anybody a hoe. I didn't. Going I mean, on. come on. I was selling trucks. Riggo with the gentle it was, rap. It was, it was Eddie Albert. Uh -huh. It was Green Acres. That was a Green Acres rap. All right. Uh -huh. Speaking of gentle rap, the Washington football team, Riggo, we'll, we'll get with a couple of nuggets because we're getting that quiet time of year. But the OTAs uh, cranked up this week for a couple of days of workouts out at the park and well attended. Uh, they, I think they've got like a hundred and over a hundred guys that are signed and the bulk of my, I want to say 86, 86 to 90 guys did show up. A couple of notables that have not participated decided for whatever reasons. Once Mr. Montez Sweat. The two, the two bookend defensive ends. And Chase Young. And, they must uh, have a you know a, a pal deal going on. You don't go, I don't go. Well, yeah, they need us. We're the bookends. We're the we're the new twins. We're the. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, the uh, thirty-six-year-old wonder, he uh, did make his debut uh, with the Washington Football Team. A couple things I did does he not, got a beard still? He does. He okay. does. A couple things I did not realize about. So sixteen years in the league, this is his ninth team. His has he ever played for the same team twice? I think he has, actually. He's I doubled think he, back. He's this is back. his ninth team in 16 years. Is that a record? I, I don't, if it's not, it's got to be close. I mean, hey, think about 16 that. 16 years, nine teams. Nine teams. This guy, he just is goes to like Cranston. Is that really crazy? Is he married? <laughs> he is with seven kids. So they must have a local, central location. He just goes and plays football for six well, months. Well, so they it's relocated. Like he's, the Army. he's been down in Miami. And he actually stated that while his family is still down in Florida, they're going to relocate up to here. And oh, he's got to find a place to live, what schools are going to go to, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
here's another tidbit. Nine, this is his ninth team, 16-year career. He has never played in a playoff game. That's, I mean, that's kind of hard to do, but, it, you know, he is a journeyman quarterback. Yeah. He is the, he, he's the epitome of a journeyman quarterback. And then some. I mean, what's weird is that, you know, you think of a journeyman basically as a guy that goes from team to team as a backup. He's actually went from team to team as a backup, become the starter, beat right. out the starter, and became the starter. But by the end of the season, he's now a backup on another team. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible career. We're going to plot. I'm going to plot this on a graph, okay? You just convinced me to actually do some work on this show. And my graph is going to be for each season of his career, where he started on the depth chart, where he finished, and because ah. it will be remarkable as to what you just said, where he's been brought in to either be a starter in the midpoints of his career to the right. capable backup who then comes in and saves the day. Right. Becomes a and starter. then comes back to being the third string guy, you gotta go next year. <laughs> exactly. It's extraordinary. It is. What it's his career story. Yeah. It really is. You know what's interesting, too, uh, based on this, and, and Coco, you'll get a kick it up because your mom was an Army brat. Mm-hmm. Very, I mean, this is truly unique in football terms that he's, if his family has traveled with him, I mean, his kids have got to be just like they were, in, like he was in the military. Right. Going oh, from base yeah. to base. Right. And then, and then, you know, he went to Leavenworth and he was there for a while and then back, not the penitentiary, the, uh, the, base, the <laughs> Army base there, or the Fort Leavenworth. <laughs> that. And then, you know, all of a sudden you, you find yourself back in the same place. Hey, we'll just get the same house. <laughs> He's a traveling man. That's all I can say. He's like that. Uh, was it who was the guy that sang that song? Johnny Cash did. It. Was it uh, not Tex? Not Tex. Um, you know, I've been everywhere, man. I've been oh, everywhere. I've been, I've been everywhere. everywhere man. Man. You spent a commercial, too. Uh, Merle Haggard? Uh. No, no. It was. I think it was the original. What's his name? It, uh, the guy, he's got a junior. You know, he's got it, his son. It, oh, Hank. Did Hank Williams do the original? I think he might have. Or maybe been Tex Ritter. Well, we'll have that trivia for you we'll next time as well. Right. But, oh, you know, man. I think we're going to like Fitzpatrick in the sense that he, he seems like a generally good guy. He's beloved everywhere he goes and fits magic. And as he says, quote, there are certain things that maybe make it easier for me to switch teams than other guys because I've done it so many times. Yeah, I've been through the process. He's been everywhere, and I think the, the and you know a guy such as this and the way he presents himself, I, my feeling is is that he doesn't take himself too serious. He takes the game serious, but right. he doesn't take himself too serious. Right. But I was also going to say, he did he is he the one that had the the really high score on Wonderlick? Wonderlick, probably. It's a Harvard man. Went to Harvard. I think it was oh. I Harvard think Coco. Who did he start out with? Oh. Like the St. Louis Rams oh, or something? Oh, boy, John, you're talking nine teams, man. I only know. I, should, I, 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 think he had a, I think he had a perfect score in a Wonderland. I think he's the one. I'm not 100% mm. sure. So I remember. So he's smarter than all the coaches he's played for. <laughs> he's actually. Which probably. Yeah, he, actually he went that's to Harvard why, and he's playing that's football. Yeah. What's that, dude? He went to Harvard and he's playing football. Yes, it's true. So that's not very so often. So he's the nerd but what and the happens, jock. What happens? What right. happens? And that's why you'll never see him play in New England because Bill Belichick ain't never going to allow his quarterback to be smarter than no, him. No, super smart. What did he but, major? Yeah, and in that's Harvard. why he gets. That's why he's football. been. Why he's been <laughs> nine different teams? Is that once the coach realizes my quarterback's smarter than me, he's yeah, got to like, go. No, you got it. You got it. Because you're right. Remember when he, he was on Tampa Bay two, three years ago? Yeah, he was, and and he and Deshaun Jackson. And they were going back and forth, and then he actually, well, right, but then he he wasn't the starter originally, was he? And then, then he, he became. Came, yeah, it was, what's his name? Was it Winston? It was no, James Winston. It was James Winston. It was James Winston. Winston. Yeah. And uh, 
And then he came in and bailed him. And then remember he and he and Deshaun Jackson, he came in wearing Deshaun's gold rings and necklaces in a press conference, and he comes up and he goes, I just want to let everybody know how humble I am. <laughs> he was wearing D Jack's gold ropes and like, and everything. But uh yeah, it's what you said. He is he's a paid mercenary that's there yeah. to make that money. I'm your guy. You may get five touchdowns out of me. You might get five interceptions, but we're going to have fun. To go with the five touchdowns. You know what's interesting, too, Todd, as you were saying that, and it just made me realize, nowadays for a fan, it's truly, there's so much movement in the NFL. I'm wondering, as a fan, and particularly when you have a, a team that's been on the downslide, What's it like in the office? What are you looking at when all of a sudden it's like every year, and, and it's, there's upheaval around the country and every at, you know in every franchise, but obviously some there's more upheaval than others, and I'm wondering you know years ago, let's take the you know when the run from the 80s into the early 90s here in town, I mean I think because people were so optimistic with good reason. But guess what? Those players that played the year before, 90% of them were coming back the next. In other words, it was the same old song. Or, you know, in other words, you got what you what you saw is what you got. Nowadays, the offseason comes, somebody goes here, goes there, new people come in. I mean, it, it's been, and it seems like it's even getting more so that way, is. where it's all marketing and a crapshoot, and who knows what can happen. Well, it's the difference between take a guy that is. Uh, the whiteout for the New York Giants, right? Mr. Odell Beckham Jr., Mr. One-Handed mm-hmm. Catch, me, 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 me. The Giants said, you got to go, 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 go. And he hasn't done anything since. He's been injured. He's been dinged up. And so as, as more fans root for certain star players or perceived stars versus do you stay? And and, and what have the owners always said? The, jer- the, the, the franchise and the name of the team is bigger than the name on the jersey, Right. That's all. Dallas pick pick yeah. a legendary. That's what that's the belief system a lot. So it has changed quite a bit. Look at the bargain basement bin of jerseys in this town from RG three yeah. to I mean Kirk Cousins, all the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and the latest was Dwayne Haskins, and it just There's keeps going and going. Well, those jerseys are seven dollars now. Get them while they're hot. So back to your point, it's about winning and building the right team. The days are gone where you had the Hogs mm-hmm. for four Super Bowls. The basically the main right. guys played. For a decade. Daryl Green and some of the core core group of guys that and it, that's just harder and harder to do. Today's market because guys want to get paid and Yeah. And you can and with a budget, I mean, this is the other part I don't understand, although I don't really you know, then it would get down to if it was just whoever could pay the players what they wanted to be paid. That I mean, to, in my mind, would that really? I mean, is that? Well, I don't know. I guess maybe that would break the league. I don't know. It wouldn't be. Let's just say it wouldn't be as profitable. Maybe there wouldn't be as many three hundred foot yachts out there that the owners had. Although I guess there's a lot of players with two hundred foot yachts. They might not have three hundred footers, but well, listen, the league is all. It's the greater good, and you see plenty of guys that have learned quickly. Where they overplay their hands, right? Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, where they think they're bigger, and when it, it you know, and it just it rarely works out. But they're like me, Todd. I always had that theory that it never hurts to ask. 
<laughs> but sometimes it does hurt the ass. You should have kept your goddamn mouth shut. Let that be a lesson, Coco. We're going to moonwalk our butts hey, right on out of here. Yeah, we are. But let me tell you something, dude. Dude, it's another one that is a firm believer in it never hurts to ask. Oh, yeah. Right, dude? Wait, what do you mean by that? All right, that? dude, give us a dude out. Dude. Dude. <laughs> dude out. Rigo out.